welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Thursday of the fourth week of Easter. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who restore human nature to yet greater dignity than at its beginnings, look upon the amazing mystery of your loving kindness, and in those you have chosen to make new through the wonder of rebirth, may you preserve the gifts of your enduring grace and blessing. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Paul and his friends went by sea from Paphos to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to go back to Jerusalem. The others carried on from Perga till they reached Antioch in Pisidia. Here they went to synagogue on the Sabbath and took their seats. After the lessons from the law and the prophets had been read, the presidents of the synagogue sent them a message. Brothers, if you would like to address some words of encouragement to the congregation, please do so. Paul stood up, held up a hand for silence, and began to speak. Men of Israel and fearers of God, listen. The God of our nation, Israel, chose our ancestors and made our people great when they were living as foreigners in Egypt. Then, by divine power, he led them out, and for about forty years took care of them in the wilderness. When he had destroyed seven nations in Canaan, he put them in possession of their land for about four hundred and fifty years. After this, he gave them judges, down to the prophet Samuel. Then they demanded a king, And God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin. After forty years, he deposed him and made David their king, of whom he approved in these words. I have selected David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will carry out my whole purpose. To keep his promise, God had raised up for Israel one of David's descendants, Jesus, as Saviour, whose coming was heralded by John when he proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the whole people of Israel. 
before John ended his career, he said, I am not the one you imagined me to be. That one is coming after me, and I am not fit to undo his sandal. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. I will sing forever of your love, O Lord. Through all ages my mouth will proclaim your truth. Of this I am sure, that your love lasts forever, that your truth is firmly established as the heavens. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. I have found David my servant, and with my holy oil anointed him. My hand shall always be with him, and my arm shall make him strong. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. My truth and my love shall be with him. By my name his might shall be exalted. He will say to me, You are my Father, my God, the rock who saves me. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Jesus Christ, you are the faithful witness, firstborn from the dead. You have loved us and washed away our sins in your blood. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. After he had washed the feet of his disciples, Jesus said to them, I tell you most solemnly, no servant is greater than his master, no messenger greater than the man who sent him. Now that you know this, happiness will be yours if you behave accordingly. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know the ones I have chosen. But what scripture says must be fulfilled. Someone who shares my table rebels against me. I tell you this now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe that I am he. I tell you most solemnly, whoever welcomes the one I send welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Alright, so we find ourselves in the upper room, the time of the Last Supper. And in John's Gospel, we hear some of the words that are shared between Jesus and his disciples at the Last Supper. In fact, he gives us a few chapters worth of the address that Jesus gives to his disciples. Now, where we pick up today is immediately after the moment when Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. And if you take a moment to consider the enormity of the gesture that Jesus has done, we see this ritual played out on Holy Thursday evening when the priest puts an apron round his waist and then kneels to wash the feet of his parishioners. But usually, those who've been chosen for the foot washing have pretty much been guaranteed of having a shower beforehand, and they probably didn't walk in sandals on the way to church. And I'm guessing the condition of the roads wasn't quite like what it was in Jesus' time, dusty, shared by animals, and likely a bit gross. Now, Jesus bends down and he washes those feet of the disciples. And having finished that gesture, he then says, I tell you most solemnly, no servant is greater than his master. No messenger is greater than the man who sent him. Now Jesus is going to send his apostles. 
That's what it means to be an apostle, to be one who is sent. The servant isn't greater than the master, and yet here is the master bending down to wash their feet. He is the one who sends the apostles, but no messenger is greater than the one who has sent him. And so Jesus gives this incredible example to the apostles. Right, this is what you've got to do. Now that you've seen, you need to do. Now, I suppose we can put two and two together now and see why the church has placed these readings in front of us as we're going through the time of Easter and preparing for the Feast of Pentecost. Because Pentecost is the time when, filled with the Holy Spirit, the apostles go out into the world to evangelize. And Jesus is teaching them how they need to go into the world as servants, as messengers of the one who washed their feet. The promise that Jesus makes then is this. If you know these things about serving and about not being greater than the master, if you know these things, blessed are you, says Jesus, when you do these things. I think this becomes an important message for all of us because often when we hear these words, you know, that you need to be the servant of all, that you need to put yourself in the lowest place, that you need to imitate Jesus who didn't seek his own self-aggrandizement but instead came to lay down his life for others. I I think when we hear these words, we see the nobility of them, but when we put them into practice, it stings a little bit. It offends our pride. Humility is something that doesn't come naturally, and it's not always something that has a lovely taste to it. We talk about eating humble pie, but it's not a flavour that anyone especially enjoys. There's something about being humbled that feels a little bit like dying. In fact, when we are truly humbled, we say that we're mortified. It's very close to death. And here is Jesus, on the night before his death, laying down his life in service for his disciples as he bends down and washes their feet. Now, in the midst of this great humbling act, Jesus now says, Look, now that you know this, blessed are you. Happiness will be yours if you put it into practice. The truly humble person is the one who is able to be truly blessed. The truly humble person is the one who is able to be truly happy because our lives are not filled with discontent looking at the things that we ought to have had because that's what we deserve and that's what we've earned. But instead, we can look out to the world with great gratitude at the blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon us, not because we earned them, but because he loves us. Not because of the greatness of our being, but because of the profundity of his love. What a great blessing it is to be one who serves. To be one who doesn't come with the expectations of the aggrandizement of our own egos. To look to the world with simplicity and our blessings as gifts from God. Now that you know this, says Jesus, happiness will be yours if you behave accordingly. So now looking at the church as she's preparing for Pentecost, we recognize that she will be a truly blessed church if she's humble, that she will be a truly happy church if she serves. 
And that's me. I'm part of the church. I'm called to be humble. And I'm called to serve. Why? Because God has called me to this blessedness, to this happiness. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.